0: It takes a lot to be honest and it takes a lot to, to be open about where we're at and how we're feeling and, you know, any part of doing church together requires that honesty. It's, it's a powerful thing. And as I said, some days we just come and we're just on fire and we're full of energy and we're full of life, but some days we come and actually we just feel flat and the idea of connecting with God, I don't know about you, but sometimes I go without days and it just it feels hollow, it feels empty. And I've got to come to God and I've just got to be honest. And uh, you know, I I want to ask you the question. um, You know, just think about this inside. But you know, what was going on when you were praying that prayer? Did you have expectation that God was going to meet you? Did you have expectation that the Holy Spirit lives in you and is is going to fire you up and fill you with His presence? Are you going to be overwhelmed by His love, or was it just one of those prayers? How honest are you with God? See, so I think honesty is a beautiful thing. It's painful sometimes, but it's beautiful. So, what um, was it, last week, last Saturday, uh, i have just come back from a conference, and I, I went to Ikea. Yes, I did that. I survived. And we went as a family to Ikea. And uh, we went for the Swedish meatballs, of course. Why else would you go? And we sat around the table, ordered all this food, and I, I just thought, this is my beautiful family. This is wonderful. I've got three little girls. And I thought, do you know what this is? This is a perfect opportunity to practice a new joke. And so I did. I'm not going to tell you the joke, but let me just say, it's not great, it's pretty terrible, but it's chuckle worthy. Like if you heard it, you would would let off a little chuckle through your nose, as it were. And so I told it to the family, silence. Has any dad ever experienced the silence of when you thought you were being funny? Yeah, you don't want to admit that, that's too honest. But but I did it, and it was just silence. The kids just wouldn't even pay attention to me. And at that moment, Tara looked up. And uh, she wasn't really paying attention, but then she goes, oh, what did I miss? And Arya just looked at her, really sullen face, and just went, nothing. I just carried on eating her meatballs. I <laughs> just love that. I love that beautiful honesty she has. That was Saturday. Do you know what happened Sunday? We had the church picnic, um, and we were just having a great time playing dodgeball, you know, to make up the rules as you go along kind of style, and we were having just a beautiful time. Uh, many of you were there, and we just it was just brilliant. And so what we did is, uh, after that, I just felt like I needed to, to take a break, so I sat down in one of those really comfy camp chairs and, um, and, uh, and just relaxed. And I was talking to someone, and Aria, the same daughter, four years old, she came up, she pushed my hand out of the way, she climbed off into my lap, and then just leant her head into my chest. It was just wonderful. I didn't, no conversation, no question. She just did that. She had access to do that. And then she jumped off, and she disappeared for a minute, she came back with a big box of strawberries, and made herself home again, and she just leant into me. Do you know what I loved about it? Do you know what God was speaking to me about over that? He said this, he said, it's her honesty and our shared intimacy that makes me sure that our love is genuine. It's our honesty, the fact that she could say whatever she wants to me, and that would be okay. And our intimacy, the fact that she has access to me and she knows she can come to me, whatever she's feeling, however she is, without a single word, that makes me know that our love is genuine. And I think that's what God wants to speak to us about today. See, we need to bring the honesty, but he brings the intimacy. And he does it in a number of ways. But let me just say this, just kind of uh, paraphrase the whole thing. I went to a a conference uh, a couple of weeks ago now called Journey UK Summer Week. If you've ever done Restore, and I'd highly encourage doing Restore, it's a 10-week program here where you just look at the foundations, the, the, the depths of what's going on in your life and how you got to where you are and the things you might have missed along the way. It's like that, but the doors are locked and there's no escape. It's like that, but you have nowhere to go. You just have to face the reality of it every single day. And it was painful, but it was beautiful at the same time. But I went with great expectation. There was a number of things going on in my life, and I really needed to hear from God. I needed to experience God in a powerful way. And so I went with this expectation, God, you have to meet me, and almost this this prayer of going, God, I'm ready for you, I'm ready for you. But I remember getting there, and, uh, and setting myself up, and I remember praying, and just going, God, I want to be in the right place and in the right heart for this week, and I started praying this prayer, and I didn't really think about it. It just came out, and it was this, God, Jesus, I love you, but I don't know if I trust you. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Have you ever been bold enough to pray a prayer like that? Jesus, I love you. I really do love you. I see you do miraculous things in everyone else's life, and I've seen you do amazing things in my life, and I've just, I just know you're phenomenal. I know anything is possible. I've got testimony, story after story, of how God has broken and done the impossible. But he seems to do it a lot in other people's lives, and I can't always say that he does it in mine. He does, and if I pause, I can think about it, and he does. But in the situation where I needed him to come through, I wasn't sure if he was going to come through. And so, Jesus, I love you. I really do love you. You're magnificent. But I don't know if I trust that you have the best for me. And do you know what? I, I, I did wonder for a moment, having prayed that prayer out loud, that you know, lightning was going to strike and it was all going to be over at that moment. But do you know, something amazing happened. It was like a massive weight lifted off my shoulders. It was like I came and I was just so honest and so real. There was no more pretense, no more hiding, no more pretending. And I just was released in that moment and I just filled with the grace of God, the kindness, the mercy, the love of God as he just met me where I was and I was utterly surprised and utterly shocked. So much peace and so much love in that very moment. You see, it was a wonderful moment where I brought honesty. But the question was, how do I then go into intimacy? How do I then encounter God's intimacy? And I guess that's the question I wanna ask is if we bring honesty, what, how would God then meet us with intimacy? And for me, I, I think there's three things. I think there's three things. I think there's, the first step is him accepting us. We're accepted by God. The second thing is he welcomes us home. And the third thing is he wants to embrace us as a father. Three steps, three journeys. And so what I wanna do is I wanna look at Ephesians 1, just a few verses from verse three to seven, this is in the New King James Version. The reason why is because the very last, well, one of the last um, sayings. And for me, it really gets it. But you've got to understand, first of all, Paul, when he wrote this, he wrote right into the Ephesians church, uh, church in Ephesus, and he was just getting well carried away. He was super excited. And because of that, the grammar in this is terrible. There's like hardly any stops. It's just one long breath of excitement. And so I'm going to read this, and I'm just going to hope you can follow a little bit. But if not, grab it on your phone, grab it in your Bible, go away, and just break it down bit by bit, and, and look at the richness of it. I'm only really going to get to scratch the surface in some ways. But he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, I've lost the scripture. There you go. Grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. I love that. Made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Wow. There's a lot in there. So let me start with this. First and foremost, God accepts us. What do I mean by that? I love in verse four where it says he chose us he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Okay, we have a problem with acceptance, I think. I have a problem with acceptance. Do I really feel accepted in every situation? So the other day, Maya, my uh, three-year-old daughter, she was picking a swimming costume to go into this river that Denise was talking about I'd just have her, an absolute ball. So she picked a costume, she's only Diddy, and uh, she picked this costume, which was clearly too big for her. So I tried amicably and nicely just to say, Maya, I'm not entirely sure, that's right. how old is that costume for? And she looked at the label and she said, well, it's, it's three to four. I said, but you, it looks much bigger than three to four. And she said, but it's, it's three to four, it says on the label. I said, Maya, do you mind if I have a look at the label? And I said, Maya, this is the washing label, this isn't the age label. And so I looked at it and found the age and I said, Maya, this is five to six, not three to four. And she's like, oh, okay. And I said, Maya, why, why are you lying to me? You don't have to lie to me. And she said this, Daddy, if you calm down, I'll stop lying. <laughs> Daddy, if you just calm down, I'll stop lying. I love that. I love, the, again, the honesty of it. You know, I don't know where it came from, but it was amazing. See, for me, I, she thought I was telling her off. She thought I was being very strict with her, but actually I was just asking a question. I just wanted to help her. The problem is, is that if given situations, whether it's teachers, whether it's parents, or whether it's a particular lifestyle, we, we often think that there's going to be rejection. And so in terms of acceptance, we enter into a situation where we're scared that we're going to be accepted. And so what we do is we, we lie. And then we just, we're so scared of the rejection and so tired of lying that we end up going elsewhere to find that acceptance. And we, we look all over the place for it. You know, Whether it's you know, earning well, whether it's succeeding well, whether it's in and out of relationships, whatever it is, we just go somewhere looking for that acceptance. But the problem is it's always really hollow. It feels great in the moment, but actually you start to lose the energy. The way I see this is if you've got an iPhone, you'll know that um, like iPhone 7 or whatever it is, that there's one slot in there right at the bottom. And the thing is, is you can plug into something and you think, okay, I'm gonna plug into something, and you think automatically I'm plugged into the mains. That means whatever I've plugged into is gonna give me energy, it's gonna give me life. But the problem is, is that you can plug in headphones in there. And so when you're looking at this thing and you think, gosh, this thing's giving me life, actually it could just be taking your voice. It could be disabling you, it could be making it things really difficult for you. But you're so convinced because it's plugged in there and it feels great and it fits, that you think it's giving you something rather than taking. And so we end up stumbling in this place of, of wondering, what is it that can give us life? You see, we don't know if God really accepts us as we are, but God says this, I choose you before the foundation of the world. Chose you before the foundation of the world. He's talking about acceptance. You see, before we had the chance to prove anything, to do anything, or to even know anything, before we even had that moment where we had that little baby smiley face, he chose us. He chose us in our weakest state. You know, one of the things that came up in this conference was wonderful. It says... And this guy just flippantly made this comment. He said, you know, relationships are so different when they're built from weakness, when they start in a place of brokenness. Let me give you an example. So if a relationship is built on strength, for example, Denise finishes her notices and she says there all these wonderful things about me. If you've never heard me preach, what you're expecting is something pretty remarkable, right? You're expecting something amazing. And, uh, and I'm going to be honest, you know, I'm, I can preach in some ways, but I'm just probably going to fall off that pedestal bit by bit. If you start a relationship where you just think the person you've just met, they tell you everything about them, they tell you all the best things first, don't they? And, and you look at them and you go, gosh, that person's phenomenal. You know, they're really gonna add value to my life, whether it's a relationship or a friendship. You think, gosh, that person's really gonna speak so much into me, he's gonna give me so much. And in doing so, you put them up on that pedestal. But the thing is, is that they always will let you down in some way, intentionally or unintentionally. And what happens is they come lower and lower and lower until the bit where you just go, do you know what? Actually, you're not the person I thought you were. Uh, this relationship's over. You know, This has failed. I'm, not, I'm done with this. And so you kick them out. But if you start from a place of weakness, if you look at someone and you go, well, that's not really much to them. They're, they're nice, but they're, you know, they're not profound. When you get to know them, When you see how they overcome things, when you see their fears and their worries, and you see them do things anyway, that's courage, right? That's not being confident in every situation. That's when you see, they can go, wow, I never expected that person to be able to do that. Look at them go. You see, what happens is you don't just elevate you, you elevate them in love. You're amazed by them, you're in awe of them, You you think they're wonderful because you love how they've achieved so much. You see, that's the difference when you start with a place of weakness. What does this mean? When did God choose you? Did he choose you when you had something to offer? When you were on your best behavior? When you had it all together? Or did he choose you when you were the weakest? You see, if you think that he chose you because you had things together, or even further, you think he chooses you, he's with you, because you're a well-behaved, got-it-together kind of person, then what happens when you fail? You think you've disappointed him. You think he's not going to accept you. You think he's going to stand off. You think it's only a matter of time before I fall off his pedestal and he boots me out of the relationship and that's the end of it. But if you know that you start from a place of weakness, if you know that he accepted you when you had absolutely nothing, then you know you can't fail. I mean, if you didn't earn the father's love in the first place, what makes you think you could lose it? You see, we can come to him like a child and, and know that he's going to accept us and embrace us regardless of how we are. He knows every story, everything that's ever happened in our life. And so his acceptance is not of what we've done. His acceptance is of us every single day. We start from a place of weakness because he knows. He knows our possibilities. He knows our potential. He knows what we're capable of. But he also knows our emptiness, our struggles, our self-doubts, the things we wrestle with. And he walks alongside, said, I'm going to be with you every single day of your life. And every time you face a challenge, I'm with you. And sometimes we'll succeed and sometimes we'll fail, but I'm with you. That's true acceptance. That's why he says, I chose you, not when you got it all together, but I chose you to be with me before the foundations of the world. And if you are just aware, even slightly, of every spiritual blessing that I've imparted in you, that I have for you, that you would know that you are holy and without blame before, before me in my love. See, that's what true acceptance is. And how do we get that? We get that in Christ. It says a number of times in this passage, the heavenly place is in Christ. He chose us in him, in my love, in the beloved. In Christ we have redemption through the blood and forgiveness of sins, in Christ. You see, we lean into him and everything he has, he gives to us. Everything he's been through, we go through as well. Romans 6 is a great passage of this, which talks about baptism, which is a great example of this, where he says, Just as I died, you died with me. You are united with me, and everything I go through, you go through. That means every time you do something, you can nail it to the cross, because just like I did, you died on the cross to that. You're set free. Not only that, you didn't just die, you rose in the resurrection. you united with Christ in his resurrection. That means that when the day comes and you die, when things happen and it gets overwhelming, you know there's going to be a time where you're going to be risen from the dead into a new body, a new style, a new life, and that life that you get to taste now. We're in Christ and everything he has, his riches, his wealth is available to us. He did it all for us. I love it in Colossians 1 where it says this, God rescued us from the dead end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the Son that he loves so much. The Son who got us out of the pit that we were in. Got rid of the sins that we were doomed to keep repeating. So that in its entirety is acceptance. That he accepts us, not because of what we've done, but because of who we are in him. But you know, we're not just accepted, we're affirmed. We're welcomed home. I love verse five, it says this. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Christ Jesus Christ to himself, and I love this book, according to the good pleasure of his will. You see, we're adopted. We're welcomed into the home of the father. And we can easily do an entire series on that. But what is worth pausing on is the fact that it is his joy. It's a considered act. You see, he not only chose you, but he chose you with a smile on his face. So I don't know about you, but sometimes you can feel accepted into a social circle or into a situation. Maybe you came to church this morning and you go, well, people are going to be nice to me because it's church. But am I really going to feel like I belong here? Am I really going to be accepted for who I am? Sometimes we feel it's not so much acceptance, we feel it as being tolerated. It's like turning up at a party and the, the guest, or the host, it was a bit surprised that you came, they, they never actually invited you. And then, uh, and then they go, oh, it's a bit rude to say no, so hey, why, you're welcome, why don't you go and stand in the corner and have a drink, don't talk to anyone. Sometimes we can feel that kind of acceptance, that toleratedness. I love this. So there's this great ancient Middle Eastern cult, a custom that is just a great example, a great analogy of acceptance and, and being welcomed home. But for this, I need a volunteer, so can I have a volunteer, please? Especially if you're starting to doze off, then now's a great time to, to wake up and be part of this. And you don't have to say a thing, so who's going to do this? I've got a hand, come on up, thank you. Give a round of applause. It's not a challenge, it's not a drinking challenge, don't worry. Take a seat. Oh, actually, just bear with me for a second. Welcome. remind me of your name? Audrey. Audrey, that's it. Um, This is Audrey. Say hi to Audrey. So Audrey's been out for a long journey. She's got to go to a, a specific place. I don't know where that place is. And along the way, her rucksack has run out of food and water. She's left with nothing. It's getting late in the evening, and she doesn't know what to do. So she can tap into this ancient Middle Eastern custom, where she just knocks on a complete stranger's door. And within this customer is this idea that I have to invite her in and give her something. Now it's on me to actually ask her a few questions first. And so what would be not too unusual is a moment of interrogation. And so I would turn and say, Audrey, you know, it's great to have you here, but who are you? Where do you come from? Tell us about your family. Tell us why you're on this journey. You know, where are you going? Why are you going there? Uh, Tell me about your job. Tell me how much you earn. Tell me if you tithe. Tell me all of these things. And I will judge and judge and judge the whole way. I'm examining who she is. I'm making real big questions, real big analysis and real big understanding. And my understanding, my evaluation at the end of this is gonna judge how hospitable I am to her. And so at the end of the interrogation, I'm gonna ask you to take a seat at our table, our family table. We have a small family obviously, as you can see. I know she's thirsty, she's hungry, but this is a t- trying moment, a testing moment. At this moment, I say thank you, what a great conversation we've had. And now I'm going to do something. I'm going to pour a glass of whatever it is, and this is going to determine how, um, how welcome she is in this place. So for example, if I was to pour, so we say half a glass? That's not bad, is it? Basically, this means I really don't trust you. I think you're quite a dodgy person. None of your story matches up. I am feeling slightly uncomfortable. But it is within the custom for me to say, you're thirsty, have a drink. As soon as you finish that, you're on your way. Okay? It's harsh, isn't it? So that would be the first. This is the first of four possibilities. That's the first. The second thing I could do is I could actually fill your cup right up to the top. I mean, that's lovely, isn't it? And what that's me saying is, I'm not sure... But, you know, there's some intrigue, and I feel like I could get to know you more. At this stage, you know, I'm happy for you to stay an hour or so. Um, Drink up. When you're finished, you're on your way. Okay? That's fair. That's stage two. There was a third stage. Now, the third stage is I've just had a great conversation with you. And whatever you've said, I'm I'm thinking about it, and I'm intrigued. You you intrigue me. You inspire me. You're, there's something really lovely about you. And and actually, I, I want to extend my family welcome, my family blessing. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to fill your cup. I'm going to fill it to overflowing. And that's me of saying, do you know what, Audrey? You're you seem like an amazing person. Um, me and my wife and our kids, we'd love to have you. Why don't you stay for a night? Just get back on your feet, rest up, we'll feed you, we'll, we'll give you some drink, You know, we'll just give you what you need so you can finish your, complete your journey tomorrow. That's my way of saying welcome. That's the third of four possibilities. See, the fourth possibility is something exceptional. See, the fourth possibility is, I've just had a conversation with Audrey and I've just found out that actually she is pretty amazing. She's actually a person of honor and I wanna honor who she is. I want to make her feel really special because I am so privileged that she has come to my house, chosen my house. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some oil. You can find these by the ministry desk. I'm going to take some oil and if you don't mind, I'm actually going to anoint you. And I'm going to say welcome to my family home. Welcome. You are so welcome here. And in fact, we are so honored that you are here. You are incredibly precious, incredibly special to us. And we are humbly appreciative of you being here. I want you to drink up, I want you to rest. In fact, we're actually gonna make a room for you. We're gonna set up an area just for you. You can stay as long as you want. If, if you need to go, just know that whenever you pass this house again, there is a place for you to be. Consider this your home, consider us your family. That is the fourth stage. That is an exceptional stage. Do you know what? When we come before God, what do you expect God to be doing? How, how full do you think your cup's gonna be when you sit down before God after he's interrogated you? Half full, full, overflowing? Or what do you think he would anoint you? Psalm 23 is amazing at this. It says this: You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the welcome home that God provides us. Thank you, Audrey. Give her a round of applause. See, God opens his arms up wide, he marks you with his blessing. He says, there's always a place here for you. You're always welcome. He knows you and he treats you with honor that you probably don't even deserve, but he treats you with it because that's how special he sees you. He welcomes you to stay, not just for the evening, but forevermore, whenever you're passing. This is your new home if you choose it. And that's the funny thing. It's actually, it's now on Audrey or now on you to make that choice. And you know, though, I love this because it, it gives you the option to leave behind the home that you're used to. You see, maybe your home, not just your family home, but the thing that you've made your comfort, the thing that you've made your go-to place, it might be lovely, but maybe it hurts. Maybe there's pain attached to it. Maybe there's hurt attached to it. Maybe there's, there's this feeling of it taken from you. There's habits, there's hurts that just are just associated with it. And God is saying, you can leave that home behind because you're no longer lost. You're no longer wandering. You are welcome here in my house. God says, welcome home. Welcome home. You know, at the end of this talk, I've got one or two more things to say, but I'm actually going to invite you, if you have never heard those words, welcome home, if you've been passing through God's place and, and you've never been fully accepted, fully embraced, and fully welcomed to be with him, if you've never been honest with him, then today will be a day where you can come and just be anointed. We'll have some ministry team just to anoint you and make that official that he says you belong here. that's at the end. See, you've been accepted, not just tolerated, but joyfully invited to move into his home. You've been, this is the wonderful thing, you've been adopted. He's your new father. He says, this is home now. Everything I have is yours. You help yourself to the fridge, put whatever you want on the TV, make yourself at home. Well, I've got a question for you, even with that imagery in mind, what do you picture that new home to look like? I mean, I would actually encourage you to go home and and think about this on the way home. Just think, what would that house look like? You see, if you were to imagine that place to be a place that's a bit cold, it's a bit hard, and frankly, there's a lot of rules to live there, then you won't want to be there, will you? You might pass for a blessing, but frankly, you're going to go back to the place that's more comfortable. You're never going to feel at home. If that place is hard and uninviting, you won't want to live there. What kind of home is it? How does it feel when you walk in through the door? Who's in this home and how are they towards you? What are they like? And this leads me on to the final bit which is we're embraced by the Father. Verse six, to the praise and glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So I love this phrase because it reminds me of something really special. I was about 25 so I've been a Christian for about four years and um, and I've got a, a particularly dysfunctional family, broken background, and I, um, I came to this, uh, I went to this Father Heart of God conference, and I came with, with expectation again, I needed this, I needed to see God as a father. And so I went to this conference, and all day I'd go around, and God would do something, and i I'll be there blessing someone, praying for someone, every single time I prayed for someone, um, God would do something miraculous in their life. It was so wonderful. I got this picture almost of of my hand being laid and and the Father's hand being laid over my hand as I prayed for people. And I loved it. Every single time I prayed for someone, something broke and something was released. And that person started to encounter what it was to be a son um, of the Father. But the problem is, you know, at the beginning of the day, that was wonderful. Yay! By lunchtime and still nothing had happened to me, I was like, yay, well done you. Have a nice life. By the end of the day, still nothing had happened to me. I still hadn't experienced God in a wonderful way. And I was like, you, oh, you get it, do you? How nice of you? What about me? Didn't say that out loud, obviously. Um, Last moment of the day, literally half five, the conference had finished, but they did one more call forward. And man, I don't even know what it was. I just ran for it. It might've been like light bulb ministry or something like that. I didn't care. I just sprinted to the front. And I remember just going, I need this. I need God. I need him to reveal what it's like to be a father. And so I came with expectation. Other people slowly followed. Five, ten minutes, they suddenly burst into tears. God healed them, did amazing things. They went back to their seats. I'm still standing here waiting. And I just got to this in my mind of just going, right, that's it. It It's one of those Jacob wrestling with God moments. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. A long time passed. People had gone, I think there was one of the three people staying at the front, and then suddenly God gave me a vision that I'll never forget. And see, this vision was this. I was standing by myself, I was standing on a pathway, a little pebbled pathway, surrounded by grass. You couldn't see anything. This was well hidden, well away. And this little pebble pathway led to this big cottage. And I thought, wow, that looks really nice. So I followed the pathway and I got to this cottage. The door wasn't locked, I could open it wide. And as I went in, you know, I could see the, the comfort, I could see the love in home that this was, and then I could see this massive wooden table, circular wooden table in the, um, in, the, in the opening area, in the lounge as it were. And then I saw, I saw God the Father on the other side of the table. It was just me and him in the room. And I saw this little chair just while I walked in, and I sat down on that chair, and I've got to be honest, I was so nervous. I felt so privileged, so humbled to be sitting at a table with God the Father, but I was so freaking out. I was shaking inside, I felt like I just felt paralyzed by it. And then I heard this voice, and it was God, he said, Richard, what are you doing over that side of the table? Come round. I was like, oh my gosh. And so I stood up, still trembling, and I, I had issues with authority figures, but I stood up, and I remember walking around the table ever so slowly. One step, two, just as slowly as I could, and petrified of what was going to happen on the other side. But I started that journey as a 25 year old man. And every single step I took, I, I felt like I'd lost a couple of years. I was 25, 23, 21, 17, 16, 12, 11. And by the time I reached the father on the other side of the table, I was a 10 year old boy. And I didn't question, I didn't ask. I just found myself kneeling down in this vision, placing my head on his lap. And like a good father, he just ran his fingers through my hair. See, I was being embraced by the father. I wasn't just welcome. I wasn't tolerated. This wasn't just a new home and I can come and stay as I want. In this home was a father who loved me, who was absolutely in love with me and wanted me to be there and embraced me. He welcomed me to him. It was a moment that changed how I saw God in my life forevermore. You see, God accepts you. He chose you before the foundations of the world. God doesn't tolerate you. He welcomes you home with a smile on his face, not by accident because he loves you. And God doesn't just give you a place to be, a place you can drop off your stuff, get some washing done, and then disappear off into the world. He gives you a place where you can be welcomed and embraced Well, you know, whatever is going on, you can go into that home and know that he's there welcoming you, delighted to see you and embracing you to his chest. It suddenly reminded me of Aria at the picnic. No questions, she just climbed up on my lap, shoved my arm out of the way and just leant her head into my chest. I thought, she's got it. She's got it. I only hope and pray that I've got it. I hope and pray that we've got it. That that's what our Father's like. The thing is, it starts with honesty. If we're honest about where we actually are at this moment, it will lead us to intimacy. He will come to us. He will welcome us. He will invite us into him. And that's what I want to do now, is just give you an opportunity to respond to that. Maybe you don't know your cup is overflowing. Maybe you've never been anointed and welcomed into the Father's embrace before. Maybe you don't feel like you belong. And this is a morning where you can mark that and make that happen. So when you go stand? Band's gonna come back up. Ministry team are gonna gather. They're gonna come across the front here. Let me just pray. Father, I wanna say thank you. Lord, you have great plans, great purpose for us. You have great excitement for every single one of us. But Lord, it's just gonna be our own energy unless we know that we can plug into the very source of life. And Father, your spirit isn't just something you leave with us. It's the very mark, the very welcome home that we need. You embrace us, you call us forward. So, Father, fill us up. Fill us up. And if the ministry team just start coming along the front, you are so welcome. This is home. God says, welcome home, my son. Welcome home, my daughter. Let me embrace you in a way that you've never been embraced. If you're like an anointing, if you're like a blessing, wherever you are, whatever's going on forward, would you just come? Come to the front now. Just come and receive. Come and receive. This is going to take courage. It's going to take honesty. There's something missing. You don't want to offend anyone, but really there is. So just come forward. Come and receive. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. If there's no one praying for you yet, just stay there. Someone will come and anoint you. Your cup overflows he anoints your head with oil and says this with me is home. You are welcome in this place. You are welcome in this place. Just come. Come and receive.